Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. In this case, I am running the Shadow Dark RPG in a campaign known as The Gloaming, which is based on Curse Scroll 1. Curse Scroll 1 and Shadow Dark are both available from the Arcane Library. You can find links to these in the show notes. Wonderful, lightweight, old school, deadly... RPG. My group is really enjoying it. I'm in, I'm enjoying running it. We're having a really fun campaign, and you can check all that out. There is, of course, a Shadow Dark Quick Start Guide, too, if you want to see whether or not this RPG is for you, because it's certainly not for everybody. You can find it. You can you can download and, and run the Quick Start rules for free. Excellent. Excellent production. This show is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons of Sly Flourish get a whole bunch of awesome tools to help them run their games, including the City of Arches sourcebook, a dedicated Discord server, the monthly Q&A, a bunch of exclusive adventures, and a whole bunch of tools to help you run all of your RPGs. It's a very reasonable price. And to the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your outstanding support. In our last session, the characters have been navigating through the marrow tree. So the previous session, they managed to get a ooze dragon, a very powerful ooze dragon, to fight the wolves and the the, the marrow folk. Yeah, not the marrow folk. The yeah, the marrow folk. They're 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 from the world of marrow. They're they're conversed. They're 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 converted creatures of marrow. And the people of Marrow who follow the god Undaluk and Almazat, I guess Undaluk is the caller, Almazat is the god, Almazat is trying to devour the world, Almazat eats the world and then sends the remains that where all organic life have been removed to the world of Marrow. Marrow folk are kind of creatures that are tainted from the world of Marrow. And being that they have been sitting upon a portal to Marrow for a long time, the people around here have been converted. You can tell Marrow folk because they have like bony protuberances piercing out of their skin. They have like weird sort of tendrils. Usually their mouths and tongues turn into writhing tentacles. They look kind of like creatures from the thing. The, the, the further you get and, and tend to get more eyes, six eyes in particular, the... The Mugdalblub folk, the Mugdal, the people who have been converted from Mugdalblub have sort of thin skin and oozy, slimy textures. They usually have like acidic stuff and they eventually just turn into like an individual might turn into a gray ooze as an example. So you have these two different groups and they hate each other. So when Marrow folk meet Mugdalblub folk, they just immediately go to war. And that's exactly what the characters did I don't know if they knew that that was a, it was going to be quite as explosive as they did, but when a bunch of marrow wolves were wandering around the old dead marrow tree, they sent a dragon. The dragon came in and saw them, and they just went to town on each other. And the dragon won because dragons win. Dragons trump, uh, so they ate them all. And then the characters came in and saw that wow, like this place is a battleground. But then they found out there's a whole dungeon underneath. They went into the dungeon and they're figuring things out. I had forgotten where our last game ended. Here's your tip of the day. I'm I'm pondering this tip. But I, th I think it's pretty solid. It certainly works for me. It's a question of does it work for everybody? And I probably want to do some, some calls out and ask people if this is the case. What notes are important for a GM to take when they're running their game is something I want to think about. And I have a feeling that the two most important things that a GM can write down. I'm, I'm making this statement, but I, 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 let me rephrase. The two most important things for me to write down, the things that I think would help me the most are A, new NPC names, 
that I have not had before. So anytime I come up with a new NPC name, if I draw a random name or something or create one, write that NPC name down. So I have that NPC handy and then I can put them back in my notes so I can remember them later. I have real trouble with NPC names. I have a name, trouble with names, period. So writing names down really matters to me. And then the other thing that I really want to write down is where the game ended. If I know what happened in the last scene of the game, I have a pretty good idea about where to start and what I need to do. And I failed last time to note exactly where it ended. And my players did remember where it ended. And that meant I was off. So my strong start that I had planned last session didn't happen because, and in fact, the whole map sort of changed because of what they had done at the end of the session. So I think like I said, like the wolves of Marrow Howl, right? But I did, and, and I knew they're crawling through the roots of the Omar tree. But the answer was they actually ended having found a sinkhole because I rolled a random encounter towards the end. And there was some, these not carrying crawlers, whatever they call them. They're like they're, they're the shadow dark equivalent of carrying crawlers had crawled out from a tomb below. And they and the carrot the players were like, oh, I bet that tomb is connected to the marrow tree and like a back entrance. And I'm like, wow, that would have been really smart. I should have done that. And I'm like, well, I'm doing it now. So then I changed my map. So I have a map that I that I drew. And I had originally thought they were going to come down the stairs to the elf statue room, which is right under the tree. Instead, I had them come in where I see where I had this forgotten treasury. Well, I changed that from a forgotten treasury to an old tomb. And that tomb was under the sinkhole that the characters had found. So they went down in there. They ended up having to fight some of the carrion crawlers and they met a ghost of a green knight. The green knights are sort of a dead set of knights that were here that were, you know, good, good knights that fought on the side of, of nature and for the world, but then have been overtaken by the knights of St. Yidrith who are a bunch of dicks. So the green knight was down there and he steered, they were like, well, can you please do something about, you know, we're, we have like four of these carrying crawlers wandering around. Can you do something? He's like, I'll distract them. So he went and he distracted them. They fought two of them. Two of them got distracted. They managed to rest in here, I think, and then made their way out. I have the beast, the bestial dens here. And here I randomly rolled for a monster and it was a chimera. And it was really fun to role play a snake, a goat and a lion when the characters didn't know it was a chimera and they're like, you know, I'm doing like bang. I'm like, there's a big deep roar and a crunching sound. And then a bad, and they're like, what the, what the hell is that? Right. And like, like the snake and like, bah. I don't think it was a snake. It was a dragon head. Right. And so finally, and they saw the three, the, 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 the six eyes and like, Oh no, this is like a another underlook thing. And then it turned out, no, it's a chimera. And the chimera is busy eating one of the bandits that it had picked up. So the chimera wasn't particularly hungry for adventurers but it was thinking about it and i think they bargained with the chimera and said like we will bring you more you know more people to eat if you'll let us go by and he's like yeah i can do that you know make sure to bring and they're like here enjoy this fine carrion dead carrion crawler and he's like oh they're crunchy in the outside chew in the inside i love it so he ate the carrion crawler and i don't remember if he had anything else to offer but he stayed in the den he's like i'm not going in there there's a bunch of them in there and they're doing weird stuff and I don't like it also, you know, so, so then they made it to the, the, this T intersection here, right in the center. And they, I don't think they had it. Oh no, they, they made it all the way to the right, dealt with some, I don't even, what was this web? I don't even, I can't even read my own writing. West something. I don't know what that says. G-U-N something. I don't know what that is. 
West Grungy. No. So they made their way through there. I don't think I had it because they'd already dealt with a bunch of encounters at that point. So I was like, well, and I've been rolling random encounters and stuff like that with lighting conditions and things. And then they made their way to the North Portal and there they found some cultists of Undaluk that were fueling this thing to keep open the portal. And they fought, they tried to convince them of stuff that didn't work. They end up fighting and killing them. They got the object, at which point they're like, ooh, is that a magic item? Does that count as a piece of treasure? And I was like, yes, it counts for five experience points. Because it's like, "Eh, that's a pretty big deal. So they now have this like orb that, you know, is separated from it, which means the portal is closing. They went and murdered a bunch of the cultists and stuff like that who were sleeping in the, in the barracks. And the, the prep chamber, they found some human sacrifices going on. They're like, yeah, that's really terrible. And then they made their way back out and to the T intersection. And we're just heading down the T intersection at the beginning of the session. So that is where the last session ended. But I really feel like the notes I should be taking at the game itself or any new NPCs that they talk to, anybody where the, the, the character has a name, I should write down that name and keep that handy. And then the next one is where did the session end? I should really note where the session ended because it would help me considerably while preparing for my next session. So, which we're going to do right now. And I don't think I wrote where the session ended, but I'm pretty sure that's where it ended was then coming down the T intersection. But again, I don't know what the hell this thing was. The bestial dens I've got guards that must be guards you know western guards i think and and there are no guards there anymore so yeah did they fight they end up fighting i think the, some guards showed up while they were fighting and they fought like a knight and a couple of bandits so yeah so let's do our new session planning notes so we are using notion to do our session planning you can learn all about using notion for your session planning in the show notes look at that i'm using macros Space Age technology. I'm using a tool called Espanzo, which was recommended by Nicole Nicole V, who is in, I think is in the chat. Aren't you? Are you here, Nicole? Did you see my fancy? You know? Want to see it again? I'm going to do it again, which totally is wasting the time that I got. I can type colon L date, and it drops in a nice long date for me automatically. Very handy. So there we go. So I've got my date. Today is the 25th. And we review the characters. So one thing I'm going to do, I have another fancy thing. I will talk about it, right? I have another fancy thing I did, which was I wrote, well, ChatGPT and I wrote a script that can take a markdown file and convert it into a well-formatted two-column PDF that fits perfectly on one page that I can print out and stick in my game notes for my paper notes. I can't really show it, like on camera, it doesn't really work. I mean, maybe it can work. We'll, we'll see. But I, it is a automator script for the Mac. So it's an automator script that launches a shell script. The shell script fires off Pandoc. And then Pandoc uses LaTeX stuff to convert a markdown file into a PDF, but not just any PDF, because you're like, yeah, you could just paste it into Word and do that. This one is a, 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 that's already formatted exactly the way I want it. So that's really cool. Where ChatGPT helps with something like that is that ChatGPT helps me navigate five languages I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know shell scripting. I don't know Automator. I don't know Pandoc's commands very well. I don't know LaTeX. So, you know, and it was able to help tie all those things together. So that worked really well. I know there's lots of controversy about the ChatGPT and what it can do, but that was, and code is probably the one area where I found it to be particularly useful in connecting together things that I would not be able to do otherwise, or it would take me many, I think I had it ready to go in like 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and it would have taken me hours to do that. 
So we have our characters. Our characters today, we can actually just copy and paste these. I don't know who is going to be here today. I'm pasting them into my notes because I don't want to, because I want to be able to print them out and then have them in my, have them in my thing. Morgan Nightweaver is kind of the, the last non-dead character from the original set. A zealot elf warlock, follower of Shun the Vile, who might be her like great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother. We've kind of determined that Shun is not evil, which is kind of nice. And she is the daughter of Gwendolyn Nightweaver and doesn't know it, but she's probably also the, the, the daughter of the sorcerer, whose name I always forget, Haldren. Haldren and her mother were probably a thing, and they were the ones that were trying to prevent Mugdalblub from getting into the world, but inadvertently brought Mugdalblub into the world. And now Shun, then so she was killed, and Gwendolyn was, was murdered, and Haldren is now stuck in the, in the vile well, which I think is going to be a major clue that I want to reveal in this session. So that's Morgan Nightweaver. Dazder is a human witch shaman carries the remnant of Memnon, Jay's third character. Calum is an elf wizard who went to proper wizarding school. Lauren is a goblin scout leader. I'm getting rid of the stuff because I don't need it in my in my full notes. Yoralt of the Riviera, a former knight of St. Yerdith. Actually, we can keep these like little three-line things. It's probably not bad. Those are pretty good. Tribble. Tribble is not going to be there. The player is not going to be there today, so we will we will pull that. I don't know who else is there. So they're in the T intersection, and there's portraits of elven gods in the other chamber. This is where they're headed. So they've already cleared the top portion of this map, and so we what it, for our strong start. What do we want to have happen? What what event? So I had the wolves howling before. I think those who are sort of tied into magical effects can know that Underlook or that Al- that Underlook is here. There is no real way for them to sneak by Underlook to get to the other area because it's not connected. This, this map has only only one path that takes you from the north to the south. They could leave and go back up top. And come back down again. That's certainly an option. But I, I think they recognize that Underlook has arrived. And I think they will overhear some stuff if they happen to be listening at the portal chamber. And I think, so secrets and clues, kind of jumping to the secrets and clues. One big secret is that the Knights of St. Idris trapped Haldren in the vile well. I had this idea this morning. I was thinking about my game and I had this idea this morning. Underlook wants to ensure that the artifacts, that Haldren's artifacts, never fall into the hands of the cult of Mugdalblub. They could cause irreparable harm to all known worlds. All worlds. They fall into the wrong hands. I think... So they probably don't know about... So there are two... And this is between just us, right? That's probably not a secret yet to be revealed. Nobody cares. Neither side seems to care about the artifact Haldren was seeking. The one both of them seek is the black cloak cut from the fabric of space by Shun using the uh, obsidian witch knife. 
the black cloak is a portal to all possible worlds. In the hands of Mugdalblub could let the elder slime evil, the elder evil slime, invade all worlds and turn the entire universe, multiverse, and turn all of reality into its base of ooze stuff. What? So, so there's a question of how... It's funny because I'm actually prepping the game after next, right? But I think these are important steps. This whole idea of like thinking one horizon out. I want to make sure that the clues that I'm able to drop into this game are the ones that will lead the players to the next part, the next section of the game. And things are starting, you know, if we talk about yam-shaped adventures, and I think that this is a fair yam-shaped adventure design. The way a yam-shaped adventure works is it starts in one place and it ends in one place, but then the middle can widen out. But eventually things funnel back down again. And I think we're getting to the funnel where the players have made the decision that, for example, they're not really working with Tanya, the fake queen, because they're like, abandoning the world sounds bad. Like, why would we just abandon the world? So it's still there and it's still happening. It's still like a faction and it's still people they're going to run into. But... They, are, they want to save the world. And saving the world means recovering, likely, this is the path that I see, they could come up with another one, is recovering two artifacts. Artifact number one is the Black Cloak, which is a well of worlds. It's a, it's, a, it's a big, you know, it's like a portable hole, but it's a portable hole you open up and it can open up to any other world on the other side. And I like the idea that it was another artifact that Shun and... Oh, so I think that this could be a fun one that, that what's-her-name, Gwendolyn, created the black cloak and gifted it, gave it to her husband, Haldren. So, so the vile well probably... I'm trying to think what the vile well is. And, and it could be... Well, let's, let's look at the other... So I think we've covered all the gods in Curse Scroll 1. But I'd like to kind of introduce, like, what, what is the vile well is a, is a question that I have. You know, what structure lies underneath could be pretty neat. And actually, I could use... I've got, I've got, I've got a, a table I can use. There's probably a table in here that I can use. So I have Almazat, the Willow Man, it could be an interesting one that we haven't introduced. But I think that the Willow Man kind of worked for Titania. But the, the Willow Man could be, could be out there too. So Titania, let's see, has a, an elder creature who hunts for her artifacts and protects her fey folk. Called the Willow Man. Both sides seek to tw turn it to their will, but it has been quite resistant to the attempts. So I think like both the Knights of St. Yidrith, i.e., or not the Knights of St. Yidrith, but the, the followers of, of, of Almazat have been trying to convert the Willow Man into a, into a, a marrow creature and probably failed. And meanwhile, the ooze folk are trying to do it too, but because it's bound by Titania has been resistant to these. I think, I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of an off the cuff or off the beaten path secret, but I think that that can work. But let's go in the Shadow Dark book itself. There is a deity section. 
So we have the Dark Trio. That might malevolent beings worship one of the Dark Trio, chaotic deities whose evince power, destruction, and cruelty. Who Evan evince? That's a word I don't know. Saint Teragnus is lawful. Gidi is neutral. Marina the Covenant Ord. Memnon. So we have Memnon before. Romlot is a pillager, the barbaric, the horde. Many orcs worship him and live by the blood rite, a prophecy that only the strongest. Shun the vile and the lost. Two of the nine are lost to the ages. Their names expunged from history. I could create one, but Rom Romlot might be cool. So what if we what if the location underneath the vile well like is is a is a lair of of Romlot or followers of Romlot? And let's I think that there is a, in the DM section, adventures. So what is it that lies beneath? It is 13, the ca a castle. Hmm. It could be a keep, right? I think we'll, we'll go with like, uh, there's a keep of Romlot. And let's roll on that second list there. 11, a shimmering keep of Romlot. Oh, there's a keep, keep is on here already. But because it's underground, like having an underground castle doesn't make as much sense as an underground keep. So we're going to go with keep the shimmering keep or keep of the shimmering 15, the shimmering valley. So we could have, let's put that in our leads to an underground location known as the keep of the shimmering valley. This keep is a lair of the followers of Romlot, Romlot the pillager or Romlot of the horde. So we haven't really had much with orcs and the idea that there's like, and then we could actually have a, a couple, you know, here's, here's one way to avoid the stereotype of all orcs are a bunch of pillaging jerks is introduce another set of orcs that are not. So perhaps down in the vile well is another village who follow and we'll pick one of the other gods. So I think St. Teragnus it could, it could be Gidi, Madrina, Manifestation of Law. I think we'll do Gidi, Feast, Mirth, and Wilds. They defend themselves against the demonic worshiping orcs of Romlot, who have trapped, who have taken over the keep. The well leads to the, leads to the Shimmering Valley, a cleft, a, a rift, an underground, an underground rift in a vast cavern, bottomless rift, weird spectral tendrils rise up from the bottomless depth, which gives the valley its name. That is a two, four, six, eight, nine. That's nine secrets. And I haven't even started on the secrets for this actual place, but they're already in this place. They've already learned a lot of these secrets. So what happened? Let's see. The Knights of St. Yidrith, Haldren traveled the village what do we want to call it do they have a do they have a village name generator i don't know if there's a village yeah settlement name look at that thank you kelsey got all this stuff in here we will roll a d8 eight night haven yeah i like it where the followers of gidi have so how did what did the knights well so ah so could we have a Haldren, instead of the idea that the knights, instead of the idea that the knights of St. Yidrith are the ones that trapped Haldren, we could have that they know he went to the keep of the Shimmering Valley. 
I kind of want to give it a different name. Last Watch. I'm going to steal this name, Last Watch. So the Knights of St. Idris. Idris. Know that Haldren went into... I already forgot its name. Last Watch. And never came back out. Likely sacrificed on the slabs of Romlot. That seems pretty good. That's a lot of secrets. Let's actually work on today's game. What do we think? Right? I do this whole thing. Focus on your next game. It's kind of focus on my next game because it's kind of like where they're going. But I, and you're, I'm pouring secrets out about things that aren't in here. But I think like they could learn a lot of this stuff because they could overhear it from Underlook, who's going to be talking to Greaves Redthorn about it. And saying, like, how do you know? He's like, look, he went down into Last Watch and he never came. My understanding is he never came back out again. We've got people. We have a couple of knights in the town of Nighthaven. And they saw him go and they never, he's never come back out again. We've also sealed up the, the vile well. Never to, never to go back down there again. So scenes are, so, okay. <laughs> so Underlook has arrived. That's a strong start. Uh, we have the, the portrait of the elven gods is probably a location that they will go to. So scenes we don't really, I mean, let's see. Continue exploring the roots of the marrow tree. We know we want them to do that. Learn about Haldren and the vile well. Then journey to the vile well. That seems good. So locations, we want to just fill out a couple of the places that we know they will go. So we, I, I wrote, because I didn't know exactly where they were going to go, and I'm glad because I ended up changing it. So if I'd done a lot of work of filling out location details, I would have wasted it because I, I wrote, I've forgotten treasury and it turned out not to be treasury. But this, this, this portraits of elven gods or of elven lords, right? It'd be pretty funny. If I put Morrigan's mother Gwendolyn on here, that's too much. Like I, I keep throwing all of the story on Gwen, on poor Morgan because she's the only one that hasn't died. It might be cool. Kale, maybe one of Kalem's, including one of Kalem's ancestors. This could be another. You want vehicles for like, how do we, what do I do with secrets? Where do I reveal them? Well, a talking portrait is a good way to do it. So let's pick out one of Kalem's. I think any elf could have, could have this. We're going to pick an elf name. Nine. Sard, no, not, not, Alindra. Alindra is a good one. You can kind of use the tavern, the tavern name to give somebody like an extra name too. The dancing 16. We're going to call her the dan, I'm going to change it. It was tankard, but that's dumb. So I'm going to go to the, the dancing blade. So that is a good one. That fills out that location. Cause I think that's, that's where they're going to be heading into. I don't think they're going to necessarily but I could roll a random encounter. So we'll figure that out. And that becomes Alindra, the dancing blade becomes an NPC, but I've got, I've got it there. So I don't really need to put it. I guess I could put in the NPCs because it's going to be one thing I learned by the way, is because when I convert Markdown to PDF, there's no need for a checkbox. It's actually better to do a bullet list. So we're going to do a bullet list. Any other NPCs or fantastic locations that I need to fill out? I don't think so. I think that this is, it could be like a treasure vault. I think they're going to probably have enough treasure. I don't know that I need to put in a special treasure vault. So I think that that works. Like, I think, you know, their approach can be, and that's going to be up to them. They could try to get through the door. The doors will be open. Well, yeah, would they? Yeah, because they, they still had to get back here. So the, the doors would be open. 
And then they get into the, if they go into the portal chamber, the portal will be open and Underlook will be there along with Greaves Redthorn. That'd be rough. And Underlook is in Curse Scroll 1 in Monsters. Yeah, Underlook, right? The Marrow Fiend. Two Claws and Sap Gout. Oh, this thing's going to rip people apart. Level 8. Whew. It's going to rip people in half. And I think Greaves is a, if we go to Monsters, there was an, a special knight. I can't remember what it was called. Damn it, I can't find it. I think maybe, did I write in my last week's notes? Let's find out. I do have this fun random encounter table, which I will put in that I made last time. Reaver is a level six knight. The Reaver is on page 247. And we have the Marrow Fiend is on Cursed Scroll, page 47. Nice to put your, put your stuff down there. Treasure, we don't worry about. Session notes, we will probably put on three by five cards while we're playing. Don't forget. Write down where things ended. Is there anything else that I need for this? I actually, so I spent most of my time worrying about where thing, the lore that I'm going to drop in for next session's game, the, the following previous sessions. But I think it's still important to have done this because these are all of the things that the characters can learn in here about where they're going next. So I think that that is still uh, pretty valuable. When we get there, like I'm, I don't think there's any risk that the players are going to reach uh, the vile well next time, but I do need to probably come up. I guess we could do that now. Is pick out where is it? Hang on. Is pick out a map for the keep. What what is it called? Last watch. This is a Dyson's commercially licensed map gallery. This is a a sly flourish benefit a one of the tools that you get for being a patron of life flourish you can get access to this which is a downloadable and hosted uh gallery of dyson's commercially available maps in a format that lets you quickly and easily scan through so you can kind of pick the size of the thumbnail you want and then scan through very quickly looking for things like what would the keep be this one, and then my, I like this already, right? This, this looks, this looks fine. This looks perfect. Copy that image, go into my locations, and we create a new one, and we call this place Last Watch, Keep of the Glimmering Valley, and we paste it so we have it in handy. Bang. And then I'm going to save this image to my desktop, and... I'm going to print it onto a piece of paper, scale the print entire image, fill entire page, no, print entire image. There we go. And I hit print. And what that does for me is I can write on my, my printer's loud. So I, I can do what I did with the, with this one, which is I can write, I can just, you know, when we get closer to it, I will hand write all of the locations like the, the, the one line description of those locations onto my printed map. And then I can throw that in my notes as well. So that should work. So let me show my cool script. Let's, let's, let's actually use it now. So I've got, I go to my notes here and these are all when here's a, a, a thing. If I copy this whole thing and then open it up in a text editor, it throws it in markdown, which is exactly what I want. And I can say, you know, I'll just say notes cause I'm not going to keep the, the markdown version around. And I throw that in there. And now I'm going to run my automator script. Do go to applications. I never made an automator script before. 
and it's called convert. Oh, I stuck it on my desktop. Let's see. Hang on. I'll close that. No, that's not what I want. There we go. Game notes to PDF. And I click that. It asks me for the font size. I don't think it's working. <laughs> so I'll just say 11 because I think of it and I said 12. And then you, you give it where your notes are. And then it runs and it creates. But you can see I have lots of room. That actually works really well because all the secrets are one page. I even have room to write out my, to write my game notes on it. So that's not bad. You know, that, that format's actually pretty good. I was going to say like I could bump the font size way up, but 11 point font is actually not terrible. So what the hell? We're going to print that out. As I get older, it's harder for me to read small text. So big, big text during the game actually works, works pretty well. If only you had a file effects refillable notebook and punch. I looked at it. The punches are expensive. I also have a three ringer. And I could just do a three-ring punch. I don't know if I have a three-ring hole punch, though. That would actually work better in this because then I could write directly on the notes instead of sliding. I have a page protector that I slide them in, and that works really well, except you can't take notes on the slide on the, on the page protector, right? That doesn't, that doesn't work. And I don't have a nice hole puncher here, but I can buy a hole puncher for pretty cheap. I hear you. The one thing about Filofact, I'm not going to complain. Oh, get a, oh, get a three-ring hole punch for heaven's sake. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, because like the, the three-ring page protectors are beautiful, right? They're really nice. They're super solid. They're not going to fall out. And you can dry erase on them, which is really cool. And you can put like two and two pages, one on each side. That works really well. The only thing you can't do is write directly on the notes. What I can do is I can write like a three-by-five card or keep a three-by-five card, and I can slide it in the page protector. Or I could take these notes out and write on it. Yes, you cannot write in pencil. I did hear like grease pencils can work. Like maybe that can work. I don't know. But you kind of want to keep the notes. So I don't know. Hard to say. I, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'm going to, we'll, we'll, we'll see what I do today. I should probably buy a hole. I will buy a hole puncher. I'll buy a hole puncher for it because then I could print these out. In fact, I could probably, let's just, you know, I could probably get this to put a little bit of a more of a margin on the left-hand side so that it would be hole puncher friendly. So, yeah. Look at this fancy chat, just willy-nilly buying hole punchers. Three-hole paper is a thing. Yeah, but then you print on it? Because I like to print my notes. My paper quality is really nice, too. I, I, I paid more for fancy paper. So, so that works. It's probably better. I would rather have a hole puncher. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're all about the Filofax. And the Filofax definitely looks cool. But I already had a bunch of three-ring stuff. And so three-ring three ring kind of works. And the, the notebook I got, I'll show it. The notebook I got, I, I kind of dig. It's this really mashable. It looks exactly like a trapper keeper. And I'll show some of what I did here. So that's my notebook. I don't have it down here. I have it upstairs. It was 10 bucks on Amazon, I think. And then five bucks for 100 stickers. And then I found stickers that I liked and put stickers on both sides of it. The rings are outside of it, which is nice. And they are flexible plastic. So they won't break or bend or anything like that. They work pretty well. I'm not saying I'm going to use this thing forever, but it seems to work pretty well. Here, for example, is the inside. You know, this is what game notes. So this, these game notes were before I had my fancy script. And you can see, like, I can slide it right in a page protector and I can slip it either way so that, like, if, it, if I want to have, like, an open page, here's a hand-drawn Dyson map. And, like, this in a page protector works perfectly. Like, all, everything works great except being able to take notes. Taking notes is the one thing. Taking notes during the game is the one thing. Or permanent notes, because like dry erase notes work great. 
permanent notes do not. And it's the one feature that I'm not happy with. I thought about just buying like a field notes. Field notes actually has D&D field note things. And I thought about getting some field note notebooks and just sliding one of these in there. And then I would take my notes in this while I would run. Yeah, I like plain, you know, so I can buy like a plain three pack for 13 bucks, 48 pages. They're really thin. You slide them in. I thought I had some. I, th- I don't know if I still do. And, and use those. But yeah, Field Notes, I think, has... Whoops. Field Notes, I think, has a GM... 5e gaming journals. They have character journals, game master journals, campaign name, inspirations, house rules. Like, these are all the, the... And then the one thing, whenever you buy a notebook like this, I kind of want to see just what it's like. But it, it's always going to have like sections that I don't need, right? This is not bad. Key NPCs, secondary NPCs, player characters, factions, with the pop-ups. It might be fun to try this stuff out. Each adventure set includes two character journals, a game master journal, a monster encounter journal. They look kind of neat. The adventure set, 70 bucks for the adventure set. Jim Napuka says, I love that these notes are born in Notion or Obsidian or whatever, copied to another digital tool, printed, punched, stuffed, and then we need to find a way to take notes. Maybe just use Notion at the table. But the fun is the paper. It's fun. I will. So there, there is there is there is a nostalgic reason and there is a practical reason. The nostalgic reason is it's just fun to play a game with paper, right? Like I'm playing Shadow Dark. I've got my physical books. I've got physical dice. I've got pencils. I, the only thing we're using a digital device for is for my friend who is playing remote and we can hear him at the table. Other than that, I don't need to look anything up. So that's the, the it's fun to play it like we're playing it back when I was playing in the eighties, right? That that's kind of the, to do that. The practical thing, though, is it's it's faster for me to and it's faster and easier for me to have this stuff physically in paper at the table than it is for me to look it up on a phone. My phone locks. I have to open up the app. My phone is the screen size is really small. I've done it. I do it a lot. Right. I've used digital stuff a lot. and And it's not a huge difference, but it's not impractical to uh, use paper versions of it. And I am finding, you know me, I'm a lazy DM. I do lazy DM stuff. I, I look for easier solutions. And this, even though this like has these like extra steps, it's actually a little easier for me. I and, and this very game, in the Shadow Dark game, when I started playing at the table, I brought my laptop with me and I used my laptop. And that certainly works. It's not... You know, that, that, that works fine. Nice big screen. I can read it. And the advantage I had there is I could use Owlbear for the map and then my friend remote could see it. But then I had players at the table who didn't want to have a laptop and didn't have a device where they could see it. And so there was like this, you know, somebody's getting hosed. I don't find it that much harder to use paper. So, you know, it's, I mean, the idea of hitting print is not hard. And I will say this, one of the factors in printing maps is that it is way easier for me to annotate a map with a pen than it is to open up some kind of image editor and apply names to it. There's it's just fiddly with like, Oh, I can't, you know, I mean, you can't see it with a pen either, but like, you know, I got to put a little background around the image, like, you know, opening it up in Pixelmator and writing out labels. I guarantee you I'm at least twice as fast just taking a pen and writing the names down. Like it's really hard to beat that as as speed is concerned. So it's not totally just nostalgia, but nostalgia is part of it too. 
Right. I like, you know, nostalgia is a piece of it too. So this ends my discussion. I don't know if I'm going to pick these up or not. It might be kind of fun to pick up the Game Master 2 pack as 19 bucks and just see what that's like. But I have a feeling I'm, I'm almost always better with a blank one. You know, I just, I doubt, I doubt that it's going to be, I, I doubt that it like, like this is that like usability issue. And the usability issue is a blank notebook has infinite usability because <laughs> you can write anything you want in any way you want. And anyone where they're like, oh, here's character names. You're like, oh, I had one more character than he had lines for. So friends, I want to thank all of you for hanging out with me today while I prepared for my role-playing game. If you enjoyed this show and you want to see more stuff like this from me, the absolute best thing you can do is to sign up for the Sly Flourish newsletter. It is absolutely free to sign up. You get an adventure generator for signing up and you get a weekly RPG-related newsletter that has a big article in it, plus links to all of the other work that I do, videos, podcasts, DM tips that I'm offering, any everything else is in that newsletter that comes out once a week. You can also join me on Patreon. Patrons, as I mentioned, get access to all kinds of stuff. They get access to like that Dyson tool punch, a whole bunch of other tools to help you run your games. And you can pick up my books, Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, the Lazy DMs Workbook, the Lazy DMs Companion, Forge of Foes, and all the fantastic adventure books on the Sly Flourish bookstore. Links to all of those are in the show notes. Thank you all so much. Have a great day and get out there and play an RPG.